is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again today. Joining us uh, is uh, Sean Bolson, as he does on uh, these Wednesdays. And boy, it's it's quite a time in the sporting world. Uh, Sean, right now we've got the Timberwolves and Wild both in the playoffs. The Twins off to a good start uh, to the Major League season. Uh, but let's talk Wild. They certainly appear to be, uh, you know, on their game. Terrific game one against Dallas. You go in there and win game one on the road. That's a big deal. That was a big deal. Um, you know, as much as you say, uh, you know, yeah, you'd like to win game one. You look at it, game one does set the tone for the series, especially getting it on the road, going in knowing that you really want to get one of those first two. Uh, huge uh, marathon game. I personally tried to stay awake and I fell asleep, uh, <laughs> but was uh, elated to wake up in the morning and see the uh, 3-2 overtime. And, and you know, um, Ottinger, the goalie for Dallas, was good, uh, you know, our, our guy is just, Gustafson's been great. I mean, yeah. he was great. Yeah. And uh, um, Kaprizov was very involved right away. You know, in the first three minutes of the game, he had a quality scoring chance. We're buzzing around. I, I liked our look. Um, and then, you know, games don't go like you think, as I'm watching last night. And, you know, the Jets put it on the Golden Knights, and the Kraken beat the old Avalanche I everybody's afraid of. And so, for the, for the you know, we were kind of hoping, oh, I wish we could get Winnipeg, wish we could get Seattle. You know, we're up 1-0 on uh, the, one of the teams that we weren't super excited, the Stars, about, you know, about playing, and here these other teams are up. So, you know what, we just have to take care of what we can, but a very big first game win of the series. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, pretty physical. I didn't know that it seemed like the Wild and uh, and Stars had, you know, uh, axes to grind from before the series. I didn't know that it was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a heated rivalry between the two. Some cheap shotting going on, some some yeah. big penalties. There were, and you know, Dumba, you know, they, they first called that penalty. They were looked at it for a major, and it wasn't. Uh, it was just a matter of, I think Pavelski was, uh, had his weight kind of shifted on the skate like he didn't think, and all of a sudden there's that collision, and it looked pretty violent, but I don't think it was an awful hit. But what I really like to see is in the playoffs, you talk about, yeah, NHL hockey during the season, it's fun, and it is. Yep. But the level of intensity and finishing the four checks and finishing every check in the playoffs, isn't it, it's at an incredible pace. And it's so fun to watch. And, you know, we, those of us that watch it during the year, you're like, oh, this is so fast. To see it even jump up another level in the playoffs is pretty exciting. It's, it's very entertaining TV. The NHL playoffs as a whole have been very entertaining so far this year. You know, I didn't see the Dumba hit that everybody was talking about after the game, that he knocked this Joe Pavelski out of the game. Did you see that hit? Yeah, I did. That's the one I was talking about. So he, it, it was kind of behind the net, and yeah. Pavelski, who he's an aging guy. Yeah. Uh, I think he was kind of uh, his weight in in hockey. If your weight is on the other edge and you get hit the wrong way, I mean, you're not bracing yourself, and it looked pretty violent. But it wasn't. They reviewed it. It was just a, a they called a minor penalty on it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the level of intensity is is extremely high. The physicalness is extreme. Uh, which is makes for absolute exciting TV to watch. Yeah, no doubt. And and uh, Kaprizov gets a goal. What is it with Suter skating around and cross checking and and basically looking yeah. up Kaprizov and cheap shotting him whenever he had a chance? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, Suter, obviously, an old wild. And I don't know if, you know, he had – I mean, Kaprizov is about as – you know, he's, he's a bona fide superstar. He is uh, not someone that would ever fall in the category of being cheap. Um, I do think you'd look for a Reeves or, you know, a Felino or somebody. If, if Suter feels the need to continue to kind of follow him around and cross-check him, you know, I think – he's going to have to answer the bell with somebody at some point. So, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of unusual, too, because I, I get that to beat the Wild, if you can eliminate Kaprizov, that helps. But the way he did it, to me, just didn't make sense. And when Suter played for the, for the uh, Wild, the one thing you could count on was not super aggressive, never take a slapper from the point, doesn't hardly score at all, but he gets 26, 27 minutes, and he's just kind of on the ice. Yeah. Well, this was kind of a new one, like chasing him around. So, uh, like I said, it'll feed into the storyline, and, and I think you're going to see some uh, you know, reaction from some of the Wolves players, on, or the, the Wild players, on, uh, you know, you can't do that. Otherwise, you're going to have to, you know, answer the bell, like they say. Well, that already happened. Felino tried to go over there and engage him and get into a fight and and uh, yep. and take him on, but Suter turned his back and skated away. And then I thought it was kind of interesting that Anthony Lapanta, who was uh, doing the game for the Wild, jumped right in and said, "Oh, that's very Suter-like. You know, throw a right. cheap shot and then skate away and not and not want to answer for it." But they not, may not give him a choice in the future. Correct, and that's what I see happening. You know, so, and, and maybe from Suter's standpoint, you could say, "Hey, I'm going to continue to chop at your superstar. You guys keep coming at me, and you're going to draw a penalty." All feeds into the big plan, but you know what? Uh, they're up one-zero. Huge game tonight. I mean, if, j- just think if you could get game two on the road, that puts you clearly in the driver's seat uh, of the entire series. So, big game for the Wild. I think most of us will be up late watching, and uh, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, Gustafson was terrific. Uh, he was second in the NHL for regular goaltenders and goals against average uh, this yep. year at, at 2.1. His save percentage was right among the league leaders as well. He's just so calm in there. He's a big goaltender. He covers up a lot of the net. He seems to be, you know, uh, really, it, you're not getting one in short side on him. He covers the, the near side uh, really well. Uh, boy, it's just, it's kind of calming to have him in there. Now, Flurry, he's entertaining, but he's more of a flopper style. He moves around a lot more. He makes me a little more nervous, I guess, than Gustafson is. He does, you know, and he, he's a, a goalie that's flying across. He's stacking the pads at times. You know, he, he's your, not a flopper goalie, but, I mean, he's, Gustafson is very, uh, uh, he's tight on his angles. He's he's very. You'd call him a disciplined, sound goalie. Mm-hmm. Flurry, a by the way, Hall of Fame goalie, yeah. doesn't have that same style. They each have been able to make it work. So, yeah, yeah it, it's nice. And I really like the idea of riding the young kid right away. See how far he takes you. Because, like we have said before, if he falters, if there's an issue, Flurry being the consummate professional that's been there and done that, to be, to have someone like him to bring in if you need to what a weapon in the playoffs yeah that's right uh, so uh, hopefully they don't need him because Gustafson is playing so well and it continues uh, which he certainly did in game one uh, for the Timberwolves uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to offer any excuses for him but the schedule certainly wasn't very good that they had to go to Denver about a day and a half after they had played a late game uh, on Friday night um, to get into the playoffs and Denver you know they're the better team uh, the Wolves Offense is just struggling right now. Uh, they get into the playoffs. The defense is going to crank up just like it does in the NHL. Uh, they need to figure out a way to score. 
They do, and it, it could have easily been avoided, that scheduling conflict, if they would have just finished business That's right. a couple of days prior against uh, the Lakers, which yep. they didn't, yep. which – whether you feed in or not, I, I'm frustrated with the Wolves right now to go through that season and see the Gobert confrontation, and then is he suspended? Was he going to miss because of his back? You got uh, McDaniel's punch in the wall. I mean, it just seems like it's a train wreck right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was good to see him beat Oklahoma City. Uh, we did some good things there, but uh, th- this is going to be a quick and painless exit in my eyes for the Wolves. Um, Edwards, for the last month, month and a half, he hasn't been what he has shown us he can be. Yep. Um, Towns has given you what Towns gives you. And, you know, Conley's been the real bright spot in my eyes in this uh, whole deal. So I think they're going to make a four, maybe five-game quick exit, and they'll be done, and we'll be back to the drawing board. Because I was listening to some NBA chat on my way back from Rochester the other day, mm-hmm. and the guy said he thought it was top ten worst trades in the history of the NBA for, for Gobert. Yeah. And I don't, know, I don't know the details of all the other trades, but it doesn't seem like it worked out the way that we had hoped it would. And, you know, getting in the play-in game and then taking a quick four or five game exit in the playoffs, I don't know, is that, a, I, I don't think you'd consider that a win, um, you know, compared to the moves they made and, and what the expectations were this year. Absolutely not. There's no way that they thought uh, making this trade that they would have to struggle uh, to get into the play-in, just barely make that by a game or two, and then uh, not win the, you're exactly right. This is not what they had in mind when they traded for Rudy Gobert. They, they traded for him believing that acquiring him would put them in a top four spot uh, for mm-hmm. the playoffs uh, once they got there. And, and that didn't happen. They won 47 games last year. They won 42 in the regular season this year. Now, uh, they're, they're going to, of course, say that, well, Towns missed over 50 games with an injury. Well, yeah, that's true. But what we saw during that time was it should have been the time for Gobert to flourish and take over as number two in charge behind Anthony Edwards when you uh, look at the, you know, the star caliber among the players. And, and he didn't do enough to help the Timberwolves win more games while Towns was missing. No, I, I, I agree. And, and I still am one to come out and say that I don't know – that Towns is the type of player and person that can lead your team and be the leader of your franchise. And for the kind of the talent level that that guy has, the guy is incredibly talented. I, I think he just needs to be another piece in the puzzle because I don't think he has the makeup to be that guy that can lead your franchise. Any way you look at it right now, I mean, Ant is uh, extremely explosive, and when he's on, he plays really well. But uh, it just it just doesn't seem like something we have with that team is is gonna click, and I don't know what it's gonna take. But the moves they made this year, you know, I think we all can look at and agree. This is a team that, you know, probably is gonna get in the playoffs if it stays like it is. When I watched the Sacramento Kings with Darren Fox and and all of his surrounding pieces against the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and all of his teammates, I've been watching that series a little bit. Yep. In my opinion, the Timberwolves are a long ways away from competing at that level. And, you know, I know Golden State during the regular season, you know, only had 11 wins on the road, and they weren't that great. But now it comes to playoff time, and you look at these teams, and you look at the Phoenix Suns, you look at the Clippers, uh, you know, not to mention the Grizzlies and Lakers. I don't see the Timberwolves going into a series being the favorite against really any of those teams. And so that's just where we're at right now. And we're really stuck in that we're somewhere between the eighth and 12th best team in the West. Yeah. 
So in order to move up, it's going to take some talent, and the talent level that we have might be there, but I don't think we have the right pieces together to make a move. And, you know, and you make a good point about Towns, and, and I agree, he's not a number one in terms of his leadership abilities and that. He is a highly talented player. So, uh, you know, but can he deal with not being uh, the team leader? Can he be a good teammate when, say, if it's Edwards who kind of takes over as the alpha dog on the team, uh, although, he, like you pointed out, he hasn't played that great the last month. Uh, he, he, You know, I don't know that Towns can... Uh, I, I don't know if he can deal that. Maybe he can. Uh, when they went to him, they did talk to Towns before they made the Gobert trade, asked if he could play with them, would he be willing to kind of move positions, and he said he was and uh, that he would be able to do that. So there are certainly instances where Carl Anthony Towns is a good teammate, um, but does it work on the floor? You know, not so far anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and we've talked about it in different facets, whether it's, just him being a leader on the floor, whether it's the fact that he seems to uh, upset the officials at the opening tap and complain the whole game, which kind of works against us with calls at times. You know, I I don't know. Um, There's only so much you can say. Bottom line is we really had chances to prove it, and we finished. I would say this is the bottom of the expectation level after making the move that we would have ever thought. I don't think anybody thought we'd miss the playoffs, no. but we we couldn't have done any worse than missing the playoffs. And so, uh, like I said, I look for, you know, another, you know, they might sneak one out at home, but I, I don't see this going more than five. Yeah. They call that a gentleman's sweep when it's five games. Uh, the team lets, okay, you can have one game at home, and then we're just going right. to eliminate you uh, in five games after that. So, anyway, we'll continue to watch. Hey, oh, one other thing. Uh, so, um, Darren Wolfson, they call him Doogie. He's kind of an insider there uh, in Twin Cities uh, sports media. He was saying on a podcast last week uh, that Tim Connolly, uh, the president of basketball operations, is actually potentially on the move again uh, to an East Coast team. They, he didn't say uh, which one. Well, that would seem so. You come here, you wreck the franchise, and move on to somebody else. Uh, that, w- that would seem to be unusual, but uh, that's what uh, Dookie is reporting, and he oftentimes has pretty good information. And who did he take over for Rosas? Yes, he did. Yep, yeah, and, right. and Rosas left and went East Coast. And, yeah, so I don't know, maybe the Timberwolves franchise as a whole isn't a, isn't a real, uh, you know, exciting yes. franchise. For you. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you don't come make that kind of move, trade away the world to get somebody and, and then right off into the sunset and just leave, the, leave it in shambles, which yeah. sounds like if he left, that's essentially the new guy would have quite, uh, quite a job to fill. That's right, and it was Conley who got this. I, I still believe probably ownership said, let's make a splash this offseason, and he looked around and saw that Gobert would be willing to play in Minnesota, so he made that huge trade. But it sounded like the Timberwolves were bidding against themselves in that trade, and he kept tacking on more and more draft picks to get it to happen, and Denver or uh, Utah said that figured they had him. He, he desperately wants this trade to happen, so let's just keep asking for more. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Hey, That's uh, what they got. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Twins are off to a good start. They've been fun to watch. Good pitching, especially. Uh, the lineup is a little concerned. They're not really hitting a lot uh, so far, but, boy, the pitching has been really good. It has. You know, they dropped three in a row. I, uh, I, I didn't see the ending last night. I saw they were ahead. Uh, bullpen must have let it get away. They lost in, in uh, extra innings. But, um, you know, it has been 
kind of fun. Lopez, to me, what a what a guy to watch. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching him. You were kind of high on him and yep. kind of told us a little bit about him uh, before the season. But man, is he? Uh, he, he's he's a bona fide ace, yeah. In my opinion, and I, we haven't had a bona fide ace on our staff that I felt that good about for quite a while. A long time, that's right. Yeah. He's terrific. When's the last time we had a starter that could chuck it in there at ninety seven, ninety eight, and then drop a breaking ball on the very next pitch for a strike? So yeah, he's a he's a terrific pitcher, and and uh, the Twins signed him to a four year contract extension uh, yesterday too. So they they obviously like him as well. Um, I, I'm still waiting for the lineup uh, to come around uh, a little bit. Uh, Buxton is swinging and missing. Jose Miranda hasn't found his stride yet. But I think if the Twins can start to get guys who have track records of hitting to start hitting, uh, you know, I, the division is certainly within reach for them. Oh, it is. And, you know, right now, I mean, um, you're looking, you know, what are they, 10 and 7, 11 and 7, Ten something and seven. like that. Yep, yep. 10 and 7. And so, you know, we, the unfortunate thing this year in the major leagues is we're not going to get to play the Kansas City Royals, what, 19 times? We yeah. get to play them, I think, 13? Yeah, I think Something that's like right. that. yep. And, you know, you, you have such wide, you know, now we've played, we're going to play the, the Yankees and the Sox just as much as the Royals. And it was always nice before when you'd get either, you know, the, the Indians, the Tigers, or yep. the Indians, yep. Tigers, the White Sox, you know, the, the Royals, uh, you get them uh, – and they're generally not your powerhouse teams. Yeah. Where now, you know, we're going to get Tampa Bay, Toronto, New York. We're, it's going to be tougher, but you know what? With the division we have, I still think uh, we have a very good chance to win the division. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. have pitching that we can be excited about. And the one thing we always said before is when the Twins make the playoffs and you get that quick series against the Yankees or whoever, you need your step. To yep. your pitching staff to be able to get you in a game or two. You can't win a playoff game all the time, 9-8. to eight. No. Um, you know what? We have some pitching that could actually do it. So right now, I'm really excited about it. like to see everybody stay healthy. I uh, would love to see Buxton earn more of his money. I get a little frustrated with him and uh, where he's at. And, and, you know, to me, he should be roaming center field, yep. and he should be, uh, you know, hitting 330 and stealing uh, – every third time he's on base and that's just not where they have him right now and no. it's frustrating because of the money we paid him but you know we got the young kid roman center field he's hit okay and he's been okay but um i, th- I think we just need to can see people continue to contribute and, and play above their level and the twins are going to be good yeah buxton has been a little frustrating i, I think it's frustrating for him too with his fragile uh fragility of his body that's that's got to be frustrating for a clearly a highly talented guy, but they need to get him out in center field. Like you said, there's a lot more value uh, to him when he's actually playing center field rather than just DHing. And he's struggling to make contact uh, so far this year while he's DHing. So, you know, that's your hundred million dollar outfielder uh, right there. And he's not, not in the lineup every day. Right. Um, that's where a lot of your money's at, Yep. you yep. know, uh, all these other teams are, you know, have, make decisions like that and most people if they'd pay a guy like we paid buxton you'd expect him to like i said be roman center field be hitting 325 and with that kind of speed dropping a bunt down if they're playing back and stealing some bases and that's just not what he does he has all the talent to do that but that's just not what he does and you can tell they got him on the you can call it a pitch count but what has he played center field so far this year no 
just the age. He has not been, no. yeah. You know, I heard one guy, they were talking about they're waiting for the weather to warm up. I mean, it, it's amazing that uh, all the conditions have to be absolutely perfect to yeah. put your perennial all-star center fielder in center field. Yeah. And so that's a bit frustrating. But, yeah, I mean, use him as a DH. And I did hear also uh, eight games in, they gave him a day off at DH, yeah. which led me to the – David Ortiz was a DH, and David Ortiz was not in shape. He wasn't fast. He didn't do anything. And he never needed days off to DH, so I didn't understand why Buxton would need a day off from DHing. But yeah. That's how it is. Guess, that's, that's modern I guess, baseball, I guess. Yeah. I guess we just have to trust our staff, right? <laughs> right? That's right. Hey, Sean, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson joining us here on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.